0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. So we're going to go back. We're going to pick up kind of where we left off. I am going to review just a little bit. Some of you haven't uh, been here. We've been talking about prayer. We've been talking about this subject for, I think this is the fifth week um, and we're just going through, and right now we're talking about just some foundational principles or characteristics that, that need to be in, in every kind of prayer that we pray. These are just foundational truths about prayer for us. And so we uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about faith. Obviously, faith is very important. I, I want to remind you again this morning that faith is a motivator. Uh, if, you, if you want to see that in a, in a good way, Just read Hebrews chapter 11 out of the Amplified Bible. It really brings it out that people were motivated by faith. They were launched by faith. Their faith produces something. When faith is in our hearts, it produces a corresponding action, some of which is our prayer. We need to pray in faith. Jesus uh, told people that that they were healed because of their faith, or there were there were times where he couldn't do any miracles. Jesus couldn't do any miracles because there was so much unbelief resting on a community. He'd take the person outside and bring healing to them. Faith is essential. We talked about that two weeks ago. You can uh, pick that up and renew yourself uh, in that. We talked about uh, praying the word. We talked, uh, I don't know, Was that last week or the week before? Anyway, we talked, yeah, last week about praying the word of God. We want to pray in agreement with the word. When we pray the scriptures, we're praying what God has said about a situation instead of just what we might be able to come up with or think of to pray over a situation. If God has declared it, he will do it. God is good for his word. So we want to learn how to pray the word. We want to pray What God has said over situations. We talked last week about the fact that to do that, we need what we want to do is when we approach the word, we want to make it personal. Put yourself in the scriptures and put the scriptures in you. The scriptures are yours, the promises are yours. They are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Even if they were made to Israel, they belong to you. We are part of the same covenant, not the old covenant, but the Abrahamic covenant. We are in the new covenant. And so all of the scripture belongs to you. You can take it. You can make it personal. You can draw it into your life and apply it to your life. That's that's legal. That's okay for you to do. It's your covenant. Okay, So we talked about that. And then I want to slow down just a little here and get us back in this groove that we ended in last week. We talked about the fact that We want to pray always out of our identity in Christ. We want to pray from where we stand now. We don't pray from who we used to be before we came to Christ. We don't um, pray just from our feelings. Some days you may feel like the righteousness of God in Christ. And other days you may not feel like the righteousness of God in Christ. Nevertheless, you are. And what that means is you stand in a place of favor and acceptance with God at all times, not because of who you are, not because of who I am, but because of what Jesus Christ did at the cross. It's immovable. Our behavior doesn't undo what Jesus did at the cross. Our bad attitude sometimes, it doesn't undo what Jesus did at the cross. If you have made him the Lord of your life then you stand, you are actually seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You are seated in him at the right hand of the Father. That is your position. So we want to pray from that position, not so much from this position. And let me say this about this. We don't want to just pray our feelings okay we also don't want to pray just what we think would be the best solution to a problem we want that's why we pray the word we want to pray god's solution right that doesn't mean and i don't want anybody to think i'm saying you can never express your feelings to god you can express your feelings even your negative feelings to the lord he's your father again i go back to the pattern that we find in the psalms David often came to God, freaking out about the situation he started there, but he never ended there and That's the important thing. There are times when we need to just pour out our heart to God, and God's okay with that we're not and I'm not talking about accusing God of things I'm not talking about that I'm just saying god this is i this is overwhelming i don't you know I don't know what to do with this God, I feel grieved today I feel uh heavy today i feel confused today i feel angry today you know you can express your feelings to god but then get that out but don't stop there don't let that be your whole prayer time especially every time okay and you know transition look at who he is because he didn't initiate whatever's bothering you He has a solution to whatever's bothering you. He's already done it in Jesus Christ. And he is good every day. He's merciful every day. He's forgiving every day. And he has wisdom for you every day. So in that transition and look at God, begin to focus on who he is. Begin to declare his goodness. Begin to declare your victory. Begin to declare the end from the beginning. That's what the Lord does. That's what faith does it declares the end from the beginning it declares uh life where where there is nothing but nothing visible but death it declares that dry bones have to rise up and become a great army right so so just don't stop there i'm not saying in this don't ever express your feelings but we do not want our feelings to be the heart of our prayer does that make sense okay so so we want to pray from who we really are. That is the truth about us. That is, it's, it's like the righteousness of God in Christ, a.k.a. the truth about you. Well, but I did this. That didn't change what Jesus did for you. Well, I felt this. That didn't change who Jesus is or who you are in him. Make sense? So we talked about praying out of uh, that position, praying For praying from favor. Not just for favor. We stand in a position of favor. It surrounds us like a shield. Is what the scripture says. We already have the favor of God. We know that he hears his prayers. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to ask him to hear your prayer. He hears your prayer. He wants partnership. In prayer with you. So we want to. Uh, Rather than praying out of um, a place of uncertainty about our position with God, we pray from a place of favor. Believing that you have, right now, favor with both God and man is not presumptuous. A lot of Christians would oh that's just presumptuous no it's not it's what God says about you it's been declared it is what he says it is what he did for you in Christ it's not presumptuous to say what God has said about you does that make sense to you a lot of people get hung up right there and they feel oh I don't want to be presumptuous that's not presumptuous that's just saying the truth that's just saying in fact I mean if God has said that you have favor with him and then you say you don't have favor with him, you are essentially calling God a liar. That's not a good thing. That's that's quite a bit more negative than saying, I have the favor of God. It's not because of me. I'm not being uh, presumptuous. I'm not being arrogant. It's not because of me. It's because of what Jesus did. If you're getting this, it humbles you, but you're okay with saying it. It humbles you. It's not, I didn't do it. I don't deserve it, but I have it. There are a lot of things I don't deserve, but I have. This woman right here. You know, there are, there are, I'll get points for that. No, there are a lot of things, you know, and yet I've I've learned that from the word, it's okay to have things that God has blessed you with that you don't deserve. You just say thank you. Okay, so we, uh, that's not presumptuous. We just, we want to come from that place. We want to come from, we want to pray from our position in Christ, not for position. We already have the position in Christ. All right. I want to go back over and if you'd, um, well, I'm not going to turn there. I'm just going to walk us back through it. Matthew chapter 16. We talked about the fact, and and I'm just trying to tie this all together because we're, we're, All of what I'm going to say today is tied together, so I'm starting here. We looked at Matthew chapter 16 last week, uh, beginning in verse 13, and we talked about the fact that the prayer of binding and loosing, which is a really important prayer for us, it's tied into position, it's tied into who we are in Christ. And the way that works is that Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? So he started talking about his identity. Who do people say that I am? And they began to answer with all the different things that people can say about who Jesus is. And then he said, but who do you guys say that I am? And he's trying to bring them down to identifying him as who he actually is. And so Peter steps up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, right? So he gets it. He gets who Jesus really is. He identifies Jesus Christ personally from his heart. This is who I say that you are. You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And we talked about all this last week if you want more on it. From that, from from Simon, son of Jonah, saying, I know that you are the Christ the son of the living God Jesus in turn gives Peter a new identity or identifies him tells him who he is and he says he says you are blessed because the father in heaven revealed this to you. You didn't get this from any of those people that have any of those opinions about me. That's not where yours came from. Yours came because God revealed this to you. You have a revelation going in your heart about who I am. And he said, because of that, you are Petros. You are a small detached stone, a piece of stone a small one. It can be shaped. It can be moved. It can be used. It's a small detached piece of stone. And on this Petra, this big, huge, outcropping, cliff-faced, giant, immovable rock of the fact that the revelation that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, on that, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so what he's, one of the things he's saying there is Peter you are the same material that I am, but you are, you are a little piece. You are a movable piece. You are a buildable piece. You are a usable piece. I can, I can move you around in the earth and I can use you, but, the, but inherently you are the same thing that I am. You are a part of me. I am a part of you. Does that make sense to everybody? Identity. So from that time on, we call Peter, Peter. It comes from that Greek word, Petros. All right, but Jesus used these two different terms there to build this truth. Right from that, he says, "And I say to you, he goes into the plural, I say to all of you, all you disciples, I give you the keys, which is authority and access, to the kingdom of heaven, right? Whatever and and it's absolutely true that this should read this way. Whatever you bind on this earth must be what has already been bound on heaven. The term bind means to declare unlawful, unfit, illegal, forbidden. Whatever you forbid on this earth, in my authority, from who you are, as a piece of the rock on this earth, whatever you forbid must be what has already been forbidden in heaven. And what you loose, what you declare lawful, what you declare proper, what you release on this earth has got to be what was already released in heaven, all right? That is a huge part of our role. And sometimes we say it that way. Sometimes we say, I bind this and I loose that, okay? Sometimes we pray it different ways, but it's what we're doing. We are taking what heaven has already established and we are releasing it in this earth and we are here to restrain the forces of darkness, to undo what the devil is trying to do in our lives and other people's lives. That is our authority, that is our role, that is our place, that is the heart of most of what we pray. There are other things we pray and other ways that we pray and we'll get to a lot of that. But I mean, a lot of what we are here to do is to enforce and release the victory that Jesus won at the cross, all right? The devil doesn't have the right to ruin your neighbor's lives and to ruin this nation and to ruin your family and to ruin things. He doesn't have the right and we're the ones with the badge and the gun, okay? We are the ones that are here to do this. And so all of that comes from this place, we have to know who we are in Christ. We have to know that we are the same material as him. He has placed the church here with this authority. We have to understand. Our, we hold his purpose. We are his ambassadors. We are his people here in the earth. In order to pray these prayers with any, with any power to carry out our assignment in this earth. Okay? Okay? Now, this same terminology is used again, and we will go over. Go with me over to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. And let's just go ahead and go straight to verse 19. He says, again, I say to you, hold on. Now, let's just go to verse 19. Again, I say to you that if two believers on earth, I'm reading this from the Amplified, agree that is are of one mind in harmony about anything that they ask within the will of God, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, meeting together as my followers, I am there among them. All right, so the prayer of agreement. The prayer of agreement. The verses right before these, all right, verse 18, Jesus is saying the same thing. Whatever you bind on earth must be what is already bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven. And then he says, wherever two or three of you agree as touching anything, that, that term, that word agree, comes from a Greek word, um, I can't remember what the Greek word is, sorry, I know it basically, but I want to get it right, symphoneo, okay, symphoneo, what word do you think we get from that? Symphony, right? A symphony is a whole bunch of varied, diverse instruments, but they're, they're coming together, they're playing the same song the same melody, all right? They each have different parts, but they are harmonizing together. They are making one sound, a complementary sound. This is the word that Jesus used to say where two or three of you agree as touching anything on this earth. We talk about in music, they talk about harmony, which is different notes, several different notes that are complementary to one another that played together make an expanded sound. They make a fuller, richer sound. A harmony, you know, we'll be listening to something, you know, driving on the road and Carol will say, oh, do you hear that low harmony or do you hear that high harmony? I'm like, uh-uh, I, I don't. I, I, You know, once in a while, if we really work on it for a while, I can pick one out, you know. I can't do it but i hear the full rich sound i hear the difference between when one person is singing the melody and when one person is singing the melody and somebody's doing high harmony and somebody's doing low harmony you get this rich voice okay those are the those are the images that jesus used here about us praying in agreement there is a multiplied power in the prayer of agreement and people you know, i've had people ask me why is that i don't know i don't know All I know is that God himself lives in a level of community that we can't even wrap our heads around. God himself is one God in three persons. Perfect harmony of nature and purpose between the three. The three are three, but they are one. How does that work? I don't know. I think it was... Barb was asking, you know, a couple weeks ago we had a children's church meeting. And she was saying, you know, how do you explain that to babies? <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it to adults, you know. I mean, we all kind of, it's one of those things you have to receive. You have to realize this is who they are. They live in, in, a, in a place of love and agreement that is so strong that they are one. They are the Trinity. They are the Godhead, and yet they are they. Okay, all the way back in the Old Testament, the uh, the Hebrew word Elohim is a plural word that was translated God, it's plural. It's all through the scripture. God is plural, but he's one. If you figure it out, let me know. So, but so so here it is, he has given us this kind of prayer. So I said this to you last week and I want to reiterate it. The thing about this is in order to pray a prayer of agreement, we need to actually be in agreement. We need to actually, to the best of our ability, at a heart level, at a faith level, we need to be in a place of agreement. And I said this, and this, not everybody's happy about this, but it's still the truth. You can pray with any Christian, absolutely, to a certain level. But you may find certain things where you are believing something based on God's word and God's nature that they're unsure of. It'll be very difficult for you to pray a prayer of agreement with that person. We like to use the word of God as the point of agreement, okay? Because we can all agree on the word of God. If the word says it, we're going to agree on it. And the example I used last week is sometimes you want to pray for somebody's healing and you want to get a few friends together and pray for their healing. And and you believe from the word of God that Jesus already carried their sickness and their disease to the cross and by his stripes they are healed. They were healed and they are healed. It's a done deal. We're just grabbing hold of it and releasing it to them. Somebody else might say, yeah, I'll, I'll pray with you about that. But they might have in their heart that, well, Maybe God made them sick to teach them a lesson. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe we're, are we sure this is really God's will for them to be healed? There's something, something along those lines. What if, it's, what if it's the result of their sin? What if they're just, you know, doing something they shouldn't have done? They got sick. Is God going to heal that? And, you know, there can be all kinds of things going on there. And so you grab hands and pray together, but it's not really a prayer of agreement because you're not playing the same tune. Okay, I don't say that to criticize anybody. I don't say that. I just say that to help you to understand there are certain places where you want to pick your prayer partners. You want to pick people that are in agreement with what you're praying when you're trying to pray a prayer of agreement. Okay, we can, there are lots of prayers we can pray with just anybody. There's lots of things that we and I like to find places of agreement with other believers because usually we have some agreement. We have some places of of disagreement. Well, if I'm going to worship with them or I'm going to pray with them or whatever, I want to find the places of agreement. Let's pray on what we do agree and let Jesus sort the rest out because we're all going to find out we're wrong about something at some point. Okay? When we get face-to-face, does everybody understand you're going to get your theology corrected and I'm going to get my theology corrected? It We're not all right about everything. Nevertheless, if I have a conviction about something from the Scripture I'm going to find somebody who believes that same thing with all their heart and I'm going to grab hands with them because it says where two or three agree, harmonize, uh, over anything, it will be done for them. Okay, So it's just a practical thing about praying this. A lot of times what I like to do is uh, when somebody wants me to pray with them, first of all, I want to know, okay, what are you believing for here? And I'll ask them. What are you believing for? Are you believing for a dramatic miraculous healing or are you believing for a really successful surgery? Cuz I'll pray with you for either one. I'll agree with you for either one and you'll get better. The point is I want you to get better so you can function, okay? So you can do your role out here, all right? So I want to know what are you believing for? And and or what you know, what, what scripture are you standing on? What are you, what are you praying? What are we standing on here together? And you can have that conversation in a very practical way so that you know you're in agreement, okay? And I've had times, I've had a number of times, where people have said, well, I'm going to pray something. Uh, I, I want God to make my husband do this. I can't agree with that. I want, I want God to make my wife do this. I want God to make my boss do this. It's manipulative. It's coercive. And God is not manipulative or coercive. He doesn't function that way. I can't agree with you on that. I can pray with you that God send laborers to that person and reveal himself more fully to them and, and bring a change to their heart. I can pray that but I, I and give them an opportunity to receive something else from him. I can't pray for him to make them do something. It's just an example. Sometimes, and I don't think you should feel obligated to pray with somebody that way. You, can, you don't have to... Sometimes what some people consider confrontational just kind of boggles my mind. Just have a conversation. You know, a lot of times people just haven't thought it through. You don't have to say, well you know, you shouldn't be thinking that way, you know, you, you just, you just say, well, that, you know, I'm not, I don't think God does that. What about this? You know, and a lot of times people just haven't thought it through. They just have not thought that, oh yeah, that's kind of coercive. That's trying to manipulate somebody spiritually, which is called witchcraft. Okay. And that's bad too. Okay. That's, that's a no, no. So, so anyway, I, I just say this, you know, a lot of times, I'll, I just want to have a conversation with somebody so that I know we're in agreement, okay? Here's another one. Never let prayer of agreement become an excuse for gossip, okay? Gossip, bad. Agreement, good, okay? And it does, believers, it does. We can. We can just well, you know, we need to pray for such and such because, and then we have to air all the stuff. You don't have to do that. We just want to come to agreement on what God wants for people and, you know, to to bring that about. We just want to agree on what God has. All right? So another piece of the same thing, Matthew chapter 18. Forgiveness, all right? Forgiveness, praying from forgiveness and a clean heart. Is so important. It is so important. None of us are perfect. Doesn't mean you can't pray until you've all, you know totally forgiven everybody in your life. And you know I'm not saying that, but Jesus prefaced everything we just talked about with agreement. If you go back and actually, I'm not going to read through all this, but I would encourage that you do. It talks about beginning in verse 15 of Matthew chapter 18, verses 15, 16, and 17. Oh, let's read it. What the heck. Um it says Jesus says if your brother sins against you go and show him his fault just between the two of you Some translations say privately okay you're pre- you're protecting that person's dignity when you just go and have a one-on-one conversation with them when there's strife in the middle of something okay that is the first step that Jesus gave us to overcoming Strife to forgiving someone to to repairing and restoring a relationship. Go to them privately. Well, I don't like to do that. Jesus said, "Do it." Okay, this is so important. So few people follow these the really simple instructions. So go and show him his fault, <laughs> just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won your brother over. That happens sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes, most of the time, I would say, a situation can be settled with just the two of you. You don't have to bring anybody else into it. But if he will not listen, okay, if his heart is closed in the situation, if he will not listen, then take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If you get to this point, you're taking a couple of other friends. Here's what you look for. You look for, first of all, this is not your personal army that you're taking to bash this person. Okay, This is not the people that you really talked to for several weeks before you went to him privately. Okay, this, this is, These are people that have the same heart. They want to see the relationship restored. They have godly wisdom. They're going along with you. It's best if it's friends of both people. That's that's how it works a lot of times. And the point is not to prove the other person wrong. The point is to restore the relationship. Why? Because... We want to be able to pray in agreement. We want to be able to bind and loose. We want to be able to have effective prayer. So we've got to get this stuff resolved. We've got to get this situation resolved. If we bury it, it's just going to come up again. When you bury strife, you're planting a seed. And it comes up again. It comes up in resentment. It comes up in anger. It comes up in all kinds of ugly ways. And so we need to get this resolved. So you tried, you went On your own, you prayed first. You you got as clean a heart as you could before God. You go in realizing that, hey, maybe my viewpoint isn't 100% right either. And your goal is not to prove that you're right, it's to restore the relationship. You may even agree to disagree in the end over whatever it is, but you agree. You're friends again. There's no strife. There's no room for the devil to get into that relationship anymore, right? You get to the second situation, and sometimes you have to take a couple people along. They act as witnesses they try to coach they try to help the two of you and you take that step okay and if that doesn't work it says and you take it to the church and that i believe that means church leadership somebody somebody a more mature believer than you or whether it's a pastor a small group leader just a more mature believer along the way you you take that person along and and i typically tend to think of this in terms of i want to find somebody who's in for lack of a better term in that person's spiritual chain of command somebody they respect spiritually again maybe a small group leader maybe a pastor whatever somebody they respect cuz a lot of times the problem is they don't have enough respect for us to listen to what we're saying that happens you know and and so we're taking we're bringing it to another level and we're bringing it to that level again to try to restore the relationship We're trying as hard as we can to bring peace. We're trying to get this thing solved. That is, that's got to be our heart motivation. It can't be just to prove that you're right. Okay, you've got to get that out of there. And you've got to say, no, this relationship between Christians, the devil loves to separate Christians. Why? Because the prayer of agreement is so powerful. He loves to get us mad at each other over doctrine. He loves to separate marriages. He loves to separate husbands and wives from their kids. He loves—he just loves to bring division. He just loves it because it makes us ineffective. So if we can grab that, then we can go through this whole process truly trying to have love win and restore the relationship, okay? And then it says, if that doesn't work, then you begin to treat that person as an unbeliever. How do we treat unbelievers? Anybody got a guess? Kindness. kindness, love, forgiveness. We start showing them the kindness of the Lord, the mercy of God, the love of God. That's how we treat unbelievers. We, I think we probably all read that verse the same time and thought, oh good, now I get to, you know. No, no. That's not how we treat unbelievers. We are the church. We are trying to. What we're trying to do is restore that person into a place of relationship with Christ where they can get past the strife and the animosity. Okay, This is how Jesus says to come to a place of forgiveness. And he says over in Mark, uh, back over, we, we looked at some of these verses earlier on in this whole thing, Mark chapter eleven verses twenty four through twenty six. We read some of this, but he says, "Therefore, I say to you, when uh, when whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them before, and you will have them." Remember that we talked about we were talking about faith. And the very next thing he says is, "And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone," Forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Harsh verse. Basically what he's saying there is not that God, I I don't think it's about God withholding his forgiveness from us. It is about us blocking that forgiveness with unforgiveness in our hearts. We hold unforgiveness in our hearts it is very hard for us to receive mercy and forgiveness for stuff we don't deserve when we won't forgive others of things maybe they don't deserve, okay? So Jesus said, whenever you stand praying, if you have something against them, forgive them. If they have something against you, go talk to them. All right, this is critical. And I have to say, I think this is done about 2% of the time. All right, it is we need to get better at having a discussion without feeling like it's a confrontation. We can disagree without being real disagreeable. You've got and I, and I think there, uh, the reason I've tried to present this this time the way that I have is because I think that the security to go to somebody that you've have been offended by or hurt by, or you've hurt them, or something. The security to do that is found in knowing who you are in Christ. It's found in that identity piece so that you can go with a clean heart. You can go knowing who you are and where you stand and you can have a conversation even if it's uncomfortable. A lot of us just, we just need to get better at this. We just need to practice it because otherwise we back off, we bury stuff. Maybe worse than that, we go gossip about them, talk about them, whatever. But, but I mean, a lot of us just back off. We try to bury the problem, and we do bury it, and it produces. So it just produces more problems in us and around us. I'm out of time, which is really a bummer, because I wanted to get to talking to you about praying the will of God, because that's not quite as cut and dried as it seems either. But we're going to cut it off right here. and Let's go ahead and stand up and pray together this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Lord, you are so good. And as as I pour all this out today, Father, I pray that everybody that hears this, whether now, whether in this room, live stream or later, uh, who comes across it on the internet, Father, I, I just pray that for all of us, Lord, we would grab hold of these principles and dig into them so that we could simply become more effective in praying for the people that you give us to pray over Father, we do believe that prayer is essential and important, Lord God. Father, we recognize that you've set us in this earth, Lord, to grab hold of what you have done in the heavenlies and release it on this earth to bring tremendous blessing to freedom. Lord, we want to break the power of the enemy over people's lives and release them into freedom. Father, we want it broken over our lives. Lord, we want to be effective in prayer. And so Lord, I just ask you as our teacher, Holy Spirit as our guide, as our counselor, please just continue to work in our weak spots to make them strong and to increase even our strong areas, Father. Lord, work with us to grow us up into the head, to grow us up to to more fully mirror who you are in this earth. We all ask that And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I just want to say this. You know, we teach a lot of things here. I mean, I I like practical teaching. And I like being challenged by the word. And I don't mind at all when the word rises up in front of me and, and says this needs to change because I know God's on my side. He's just wanting to make my life better and make me better. And he will, by his grace and by his word, change me. And so I like that. But sometimes people hear these things, and, I, and some of them are challenging, and, and they feel like they're, that we're, we're saying, you're bad, you're less than, you're, you know, I hope nobody feels that way today. It just breaks my heart when I hear that, because that's not at all the intention. So please understand, we just love, we, you know, we grew up in places that, man, you want to go for it. You want to grow up. You want to have things change that need to be changed. So anyway. So I just throw that out to you this morning. All right. So we're going to be dismissed on the count of three. We're going to say Jesus is Lord over the guns and base in the world. You look like you have something, do you? No? Okay. Um, and then there are tables out front, tables out back if you want to hang out or do the parking lot thing that a lot of you seem to love. All right. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. And if you need prayer this morning, come on up and some masked person will pray for you. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.